1: If you're loving this podcast, we invite you to go deeper and partner with us in our work by joining the Gravity Commons, our online community of practice for connecting and learning together.
0: As a member of the Gravity Commons, you get access to live podcast recordings with upcoming guests, as well as other opportunities to connect and learn together with us in real
2: time including learning labs, member meetups, discussion boards, online courses, and our practitioner podcast. Go to gravityleadership.com slash commons to find out more. See you in the commons.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Ben Sternke is here. Hello, Mm -hmm. Ben. Hey. Hey, Matt. How's it going? And he's joined by Matt Tevy. Hello. Hi, I'm Matt.
2: Yep. Just talking to yourself over there.
1: yeah, it's just yeah. another Friday. Just another
2: day <laughs> in my office. From home.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, um, this is your first podcast with us. Welcome. You got a lot of catching up to do, if you choose, or this could be your first only twenty seconds you just, ever listen to us. Yeah. Um, awesome. But we we actually have uh, we've been having a go at this for a while and have had a lot of great podcasts. Yeah. I feel like yeah. a lot of fun times.
2: A lot of fun times. Last week was this this. Today's podcast. Oh, you know what's fun about today's podcast? It releases on February 22nd, 2022. So it's 22222 two, 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 and this is our 222nd episode. Shut the it. front door. Isn't really? that amazing? All of that? that? Yeah, isn't that cool? All that's true. I just looked at the calendar and found myself oh. pleasantly surprised by our 222nd episode airing on
1: 22222. Well, what comes what what then better way to celebrate it? Mm-hmm. Then continuing our five things series. Crack open a beer. Oh, oh yes, with, continuing it. Yes, yes. I, I see what you're saying. Yep. Right. Um yep. With uh, Christy Penley. she's going to give yeah. us five things that she's uh, learned, learned in her 20 plus years of ministry. This is yeah. a great fun time. Um, and uh, you know, we a few weeks ago. Now I guess it's been a couple weeks. We 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 released our uh, the rise and fall Mars Hill episode. It was last where we week. was that last it was week. week? It was last week. Yeah, time flies, Ben. Mm-hmm. Time, when you're having fun, <laughs> when you're producing a podcast, time flies when you don't have the podcast schedule in front of you. 22 times. Um, yes. Yeah. It, yeah, it was we last released week's that episode. Last week. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I knew I anticipated this, but it's really encouraging the amount of uh, engagement that podcast got in terms of mm-hmm. there are people that were really grateful, people that mm-hmm. were upset, even a little agitated by the criticisms or, you um, Some people were defending Christian today. Some people were saying, "I wanted to hear you go into this more because this bothered me." And I think, uh, you know, I think that's exactly the kind of thing we were hoping would happen. That um, we're all about we're all about uh, creating meaningful conversations that that bring um, the full sort of embodied awareness to bear in situations, which Mars Hill. And Christian today's uh, retelling of the Mars Hill story, I think, deserves, but, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, the whole the whole kit yeah. and caboodle needs to be uh, needs to be thought about. Yeah, I think it's it, it's. I mean, so some of the feed, like you said, like some of the feedback, um, even you know, even people that you know. Um, are, are pretty close. to. I mean, some people, you know, just commented on it, um, on the internet and that kind of things, but even people who are pretty close to us were saying like, this has actually been really helpful for me. So it, it's weird. It's weird to, to hear you critique it or mm-hmm. to bring up, you know, things that you, you think, you know, might yep. need to be different about it or, or, you know, that kind of a thing. So, um, but I think that that is the, I don't think we're trying to critique things for critiquing sake. I think that we're, Looking at this sort of very uh, much downloaded uh, podcast, this sort of cultural phenomenon, uh, at least in our you know Christian world, and um, trying to discern you know what it looks like to live faithfully mm-hmm. as Christians and as Christian leaders, um, and so I think it, it demands that we ask the kinds of questions that um, yep. we were trying to ask of the podcast. <laughs> what was going on here, and what? you know,
1: and something can be helpful and have its flaws at the same time. We're committed true. to being both those things, helpful and flawed. So if you've been looking for more of that in your life, <laughs> right. you are in the right place. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I, right. Just like our just like our episode about the ep- episode
2: about the Mars Hill podcast was probably helpful yeah. and probably flawed.
1: Yep. Well, we say this all yeah. the time, but um, learning how to you know, one of the things I appreciate about the Marcel podcast, and I mentioned this, was how well it's done. Not a word out of place, really. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I mm-hmm. I'm committed mm-hmm. to thirty or forty words out of place per episode here, and I think, <laughs> I think that just breathes <laughs> uh, a little mm-hmm. bit of permission and freedom for all of us to um, yeah. learn as we go, to learn how to mm-hmm. to learn how to not be flawless but still show up yeah. unapologetically. So we yeah. do our best <laughs> to not apologize for how flawed we, do. we show up. Um, we have any announcements before mm-hmm. we bring you the erudite? Uh, just our upcoming events.
2: We're doing Enneagram transformation workshop in Missouri. Check the link in the show notes. That's March 19th. You're welcome to come. Um, Matt and Christy are also going to be out in mm. New York city On March 18th and 19th, uh, for the Half the Church conference uh, put on by some friends of ours uh, Mm. out there, the Saddlers. And um, yeah, we'd love to, if you're in the area, March 18th and 19th, uh, we'd love to see you at that conference as well. So,
1: all right. Those are the announcements. Yeah. As far as events, let's get to Christy because she wasn't able to join us today because of internet issues. But this, oh
2: man, guys, pray for Christy's internet. It's seriously so frustrating. Like that's the only—it's literally the only reason she can't be part yeah. of this intro today—is like her internet won't cooperate. It will, it won't. So anyway, if you have like, uh, if anybody has certain blessings or prayers for the internet uh, that you could send our way, or you know, just ideas on how to fix it, uh, I feel like email us at podcast at gravity. I feel like that should be in our prayer book, Ben. Yeah, a prayer for more consistent. <laughs> I mean, we do have prayers for about
1: 114 different things. But the uh, Al Gore's internet is not one of them. Especially in this
2: pandemic, when yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's it's a it's an extremely normal part of almost everybody's it is. life now.
1: So all right, well, yeah, let's get into it, eh? All
2: right, yeah. Here's Christy.
1: Christy Penley, welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast.
0: Thank you for having me. This is like a different way of having me.
1: Yes. We're here, but now you're on the hot seat. Yep, I'm excited. It's going to be fun. It will be fun. Um, Christy has been a co-host of the Gravity Podcast now for quite some time and has given bits and pieces of her story. But I wonder, Christy... If you wouldn't give us like a brief introduction,
3: oh, like boy.
1: If, if you wrote a book, <laughs> 16 things to do with the handsaw on the <laughs> back of it, on the back of it, there would be Christy Penley, probably yep. in some plaid with, uh, you know, a big smile with pink and, earphones, with pink earphones. And then it would have like a bio, like, what would that bio say?
0: Oh man, that's a good question. Um, yeah, it would say something about being, being a a lover of Jesus, um, and his way. It would say that I am a mom of six and I say six because we have, we have an extra one right now. And he really is part of our family. Mm -hmm. Um, married to Paul for almost 20 years and my best friend, um, and that I love things like college football and chalk painting and coffee creamer. I like coffee creamer more than coffee. Um, So I'd probably say things like that.
1: That's awesome. Tell, tell me, are you like a one coffee creamer gal? you find your cream and you stick with it, or do you like variety? No, I'm all about variety.
0: Yeah, variety all the way. Uh, I'm in this like, pet Peppermint mocha one right now and an almond milk vanilla creamer. I got both of them in my fridge and they're delicious. And I do unfortunately put more creamer, I think, than coffee in my cup. Um, But it's like my dessert in the morning.
1: Yes. Yeah. That somehow
2: is just completely, I didn't expect that, but that's completely unsurprising.
1: (laughs) Well, Christy, yes. So Christy. um... Nobody ever expects Christy Penley. No, you don't see her coming, and then all, and then, and then you're, and then right boom, shakalaka, you're blessed. Yep. Speaking of blessing from Christy today, we are continuing this little mini, I don't know, series. We're just going through a series of conversations with people associated with gravity. Uh, I went a few weeks ago about five things that I've learned or am learning in 20 years of ministry. Christy as well has been doing ministry for a long time and she's got a list of five things. We're going to ask her about actually it's six, there's a bonus thing, which I think Ben really likes this bonus. Um, but first Christy, I kind of gave a rundown of, of what, where, where I've, my primary Contexts for ministry over the last 20 years, would you give us a rundown of like what your primary context for ministry has been over these past few decades?
0: Yeah. So right out of grad school, I was a Bible teacher in a public school, um, in some states, I think it's five states. They allow you to teach the Bible, um, kind of as literature that kids get credit, like they would for an elective, like band and art and music. And I did that for a year. It was one of my favorite jobs because 75% of the kids that I taught knew nothing about the Bible or Jesus. And, um, I think they were just there to, they thought it was going to be an easy credit. And so I taught them and that program shut down. And then I taught at a Christian school for, um, about seven, eight years, two different Christian schools, one in Rock Hill, South Carolina, and one in Chicago. Um, and then I became a chapel coordinator for the schools that I worked at. There was multiple campuses, led their chapels. Um, my husband's job brought us to Colorado Springs. And so I came here and then began working as a youth group volunteer, which then led to being um, like a high school youth pastor. Um, And then the last six years, and I did that for about seven, eight years. Um, And then the last six years I've been working as a kid and family pastor at a local church here in Colorado Springs. Um, But, you know, beyond that, that's like what I do in the sense of like what I get paid to do. Um, But, you know, my heart beats for my neighborhood. Um, My heart beats for, I want my neighbors to know that Jesus is good. And um, I want to be involved in their lives. And so, wherever I am, whether I get paid for it or not, I want to love the people around me. Um, and so, we try to do that um, where we are. So, yeah, good at where I am.
1: Thank you. Yes. So, Christy's been in the South, in Chicago, which is dark 68% of the year, just dark, cloudy. I live kind of close there now, I can say this. And now Colorado Springs, where there's sunshine like every day. Um, And you have grown. Beautiful. Right, it is beautiful. You've grown, you've developed, you've matured. Uh, we trust in Jesus. And so we're going to talk about these five things uh, with a bonus. Yeah. Five things. But the f- number one thing you listed was, the, and you have five basically like little short things. And the first one is beloved, that you've learned yeah. that you are... God's beloved, could you tell us maybe how and why that was important and significant for you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think I grew up uh, most of my life, first couple decades, um, I was a sinful person, that I had fallen short, that I needed saving, all of these kinds of things were kind of the messages that I was given. Um, and my identity grew out of that. Like I saw myself as a sinner and as bad and that type of thing. And it hasn't, it's just been in the last maybe 15 years that I'm realizing that my identity begins um, first with Genesis two, that I mm-hmm. am loved, that God looks upon his creation and says, it is very good. And out of that, he says, I love you. And I, I love you not based on what you do for me or what you accomplish or how you perform. I just love you because you're mine. And um, that has been a very significant lesson for so many years. Mm-hmm. I lived for the smile of God. Like I wanted him to delight in what I was doing for him. And um, and it took some, some real hard, good time and lessons for me to realize, no, I'm under the umbrella of the delight of God, that he smiles on me, regardless of what I'm doing or Mm. achieving or whatever. And so it really hit a point where uh, I was in a gravity leadership um, cohort, actually, and I was learning this. It was like an onion. I was peeling back the layers of it. And I was in my car and I realized I was believing this lie that my performance equals my love for God. and, And I knew that that was a lie. And I was like, God, I want to live knowing that you love me. So what does it look like to, to remind myself of that, to re-remember, so to speak, um, that truth. And as I was driving around, it was the, the Holy spirit just said, I want you to now say, I love you too from now on in your prayer life. (laughs) Um, and you know, like if you say, I love you to your wives, they say, I love you too. Right. Mm -hmm. Or you say that to your kids. I love you. I love you too. It's a response to somebody else telling you that they love you. And so from that, point on in my, in my prayer time, in my, my walk with Jesus, I just started saying, I love you too. um, Because it was reminding my heart that I am first loved by him, not because of what I do, uh, just because I'm his kid. So I'm beloved.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Christy, I love that practice. Um, I love that little simple way uh, of sort of, there's a whole world, right? That gets invited in um, in that simple way of just saying, I love you too, because the assumption is you've just been told, you know, I love you. And so there's, um, but the, but the fact that that is always a response to, I love you. Um, I just think that's a really, um, yeah, it's a really brilliant way of sort of bringing your belovedness into your imagination, not just sort of trying to, I think sometimes we try to cram these things into our thoughts. Like I'm going to try to believe that really hard that God loves me. (laughs) But right. this is a simple practice that assumes God loves you. It's like yeah. here's what you would say if God just told you that he loved you. Like you would just say I love you too. I, Absolutely.
1: I yeah. Yep. I want to maybe double click on this a little bit just to tease it out. So, um, and I like I like them as well, but what is it about the band U2 that reminds you that God loves you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> what? <laughs>
1: You,
3: uh,
0: I mean, other than I love you too, and <laughs>
1: um, is that that's what you? are I, I mean, you, you love- know, me
0: and Bono we're like BFFs. <laughs> I wish.
1: Yes, um, I love you also. Is what you yes. is what you meant? Yes. Yes. So um, I got to do the dad jokes for the three yep. people that appreciate the dad jokes.
2: But if it's I love you also, like, what is it about the band? You also. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, that's really good christy i I wonder if you could share a little bit more before we leave this one um some people have to learn this because they feel like there's no way God could love me because mm-hmm. I'm such a bad person or I've done so many bad things or i'm um i've i've and and what I hear you saying is almost the other side of that, which is. I actually crush it a lot of the time. And people tell me that they appreciate my teaching and that I get, I get so much done and look at all these Bible studies I'm leading and all these fighter verses I've memorized. So could you talk a bit about like, that's, I think that's the religious temptation is to not experience the love of God because we're so quote good.
0: Right. Yeah. A friend of mine, uh, Emily Freeman, if you know her, wrote a book, Grace for the Good Girl. And I think that that you're absolutely right. I grew up hearing, believing, people telling me, you know, like, God's so pleased when you read your Bible, you know, 31 days out of 31 days, you know, or whatever it is. And, <laughs> yeah. and so I, I, that was my culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, I remember actually, I was talking to my husband, Paul, one day, and he was like, you know what? I, I think you should try that on in your prayer. You should say, God, you love me because I work for you. And I was like, well, I'm not going to say that in my prayer. And he's like, why not? It's how you live. But, I was like, oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> wow. Mm. Um, and that was powerful because yeah. it was, it was. And um, and there there was goodness that came when I realized, you know what? Mm. I may not crush this sermon. I may not like be the favorite kid person at my church. I may not be like the the neighbor that's nailing it. And it does not change the fact that my identity is rooted in the fact that I am his beloved. Mm-hmm. And I know it sounds so churchy. I don't mean it to sound that way, but like it was, it gripped my heart and it ch- changed the trajectory of how I related to people and to God.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. There's a reason why this is what we, This is the primary sort of center of our discipleship stuff we do at the Gravity Leadership Academy because um, love is radically, it's radically reorienting reality when you're able, when you're able to begin to wade into it. Um, Great. Well, that's number one. That's, I I don't know. We call it a wrap. I feel like that was great. It's it's foundational. I dropped a dad joke. Christy was testifying to the beautiful, yeah, beautifulness of her marriage. Uh, okay. Well, we'll <laughs> go on to number two and number two, the, the number two thing you've learned in 20 years is the word Kairos. Yeah. I All have right.
0: it tattooed on my arm. Okay, uh, really? <laughs> I sure do. How do you not know that? It's right there. Well, I don't know. Um, it's- of course our listeners can't see it, but I just showed them on the screen, but yeah, that's on my forearm. And it says yeah. Kairos because it was so powerful. When I think about the last 15 years, um, it was one of those things that um, changed my life. And, okay, and I, so,
1: so tell us what is Kairos and how did you begin to, how did you discover that? How did you appropriate that language?
0: Yeah. So let me first say that, you know, I grew up believing that discipleship was um, a book that I read, or it mm. was meeting with somebody at a coffee shop and answering, you know, three questions of, you know, did you read your Bible? Did you lie to me this week? Did you look at pornography? Did you like, yeah. <laughs> and like, that's what I believe that kind of discipleship was. And, um, and it wasn't until I learned the word Kairos, which is a Greek word right in the, in scriptures, uh, two Greek words that mean the, the word time. One is chronos, which is like minute to minute time and kairos, which is, uh, has more to do with the significance of the event where God is opening a... revealing himself in a powerful way. And, um, and I, I stop once I realized like, oh, God's doing this all the time. He's active and present and he's at work. I stopped asking God for opportunities. I just started saying, "God, would you open up to my my eyes to what you're already doing mm-hmm. and would you give me courage to respond?" Mm-hmm. And because I believe he meets us in our reality, right where we are in our relationships, the broken ones, the the ones that are awesome, um the circumstances that we're in, our jobs, whatever it is, he meets us there and uh, works in and through us and and so it changed how I saw God teaching me. Mm. Um, and yes, God still does can use a book. Yes, God can use a conversation. Um, but what I realize is He's actually just using my life um, to teach me.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is huge. This is a big paradigm shift. So, you're like trying to get God to do things or be, being anxious or afraid I'm going to miss something. You know, if right. I. If God gives me an opportunity and I blow it, then, you know, what does that mean? Is he going to give me another one? Um, What, what sorts of things did you discover? Like through, through this new lens, this new paradigm, what, what is, what have you learned? What have you discovered? What has surprised you about that?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, obviously it it changed my, my personal life and how I walked out my faith and what I, um, how I lived. In the sense of, it became just a me responding to what God was already doing, not me trying to create something or have a checklist or whatever. Yeah. But it also changed my ministry and how I how I did ministry. I work predominantly with kids, uh, students, college students. Sometimes I t- I speak to adults too. Um. But I started at the end of whenever I would teach. Um, giving what I would call a worship response um, instead of like an application piece. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of times, you know, when you're teaching, you're like, here are the three ways, you know, one, two, three, or (laughs) or ABC or whatever. And, you know, raise your hand if you're going to do this or stand up or come to the altar, whatever the thing is, that's how I grew up. Mm -hmm. And realizing that God was already at work and doing things, believing that the same Holy Spirit that lives inside Mm -hmm. of me, lives inside of kids. They don't have a JV Holy Spirit. Um, and to give them the opportunity to listen to mm. what God was saying, whether that was an encouragement or a challenge or a conviction, and then space to respond. Mm. And um, and so we do that. And I do that wherever I go. I mean, I just spoke at a women's conference thing. and um, And when they were asking me, what do I need? I'm like, well, just so you know, like at the end, I just I'm just going to create some space and some silence for us to be still and to listen because I don't know how the Holy Spirit is working in your life.
1: Yes. Right. And
0: I I want him to do his job. Um not for me to pretend like I'm the Holy Spirit.
1: <laughs> right. So so that space then for response. Is not only you living by this moment to moment sort of kairos relation with God, but you're, you are lowering everybody through the roof to Jesus and saying, Hey, yeah, you're going to have a kairos here. And I can't possibly know what that is, but I do trust that God cares about you more than I do. And if you yes. tend to that, there's more blessedness in that than anything I could tell you to do.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yes. Ugh. You know, this is, this is part of like the leadership shift that I'm. I'm, that is at the heartbeat of of what we do, Christy. And that is like, <clears throat> I don't want to be the kind of leader that, um, the more you're with me, the more you're impressed with me. Mm. I want to be the kind of leader that the more you're with me, the more you grow to trust that you know Jesus, that you can listen to His voice,
3: yeah, and that
1: and that you have something to offer, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And I think what you're talking about, that's a practice that I think empowers people to mm-hmm. grow in confidence and trust that I can hear from the Lord. He is present at work in my life. And I, I think I have what I need. I think I have what I need. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. Gosh. All right. Number three is fully me. Now, did you try to make that <laughs> rhyme or is that just a coincidence?
0: just a coincidence. Look at me.
1: <laughs> what, um, is, what is fully me?
0: Yeah. I, you know, I believe that God wants us to be fully ourselves and not a copycat of somebody else. Hmm. And, um, you know, I, we hear all the time, like God only made one of you. And I tell my kids that I just didn't know. I really believed that myself. I, I somehow believed that, me copying somebody else or being like them was better than me being fully who God made me to be. Hmm. Um, And so first I needed to figure out who I was and then be able to embrace that. Uh, And I used to be embarrassed, I think, by some of who I was. Um, And I think I'm still learning and growing in that. Um, Hmm. It comes out in lots of different ways. So like uh, early in my ministry, I just kind of copycatted other Mentors and speakers that I thought were good. Yeah. So Dan Seaborn and Louis Giglio were two very influential men in my life. And I just kind of like, okay, they did a good illustration. I'm gonna do that illustration. And you know, um, I'm gonna kind of preach like they preach. And and it wasn't until I and and I think we learn that way, honestly. And part of mm-hmm. it is that we learn and we practice. Sure. But when we can be fully ourselves, when, when when we're not putting on somebody else, but we're fully who we are and God is working in and through us, it's so much more powerful than me becoming a mini Louie. <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah, I think that it's embracing who you are knowing who you are and embracing who you are and then living that out.
1: Yes. I am picturing you trying to imitate like Paula White or a Tim Meefee Baker, and I'm getting a lot of just enjoyment from that. But I'm also glad that that's not what you're doing anymore. Although Louis is also interesting. (laughs) Hi. I'm Mac from Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, and I've been through a Gravity Leadership Academy cohort. Here's the bottom line. If you wanna be discipled and learn how to make disciples, then this is for you. I serve as a pastor and GLA has had a huge impact on me and my leadership. Not only will you find tools and resources that are highly reproducible, but you'll be connected to a group of people seeking to center their lives in the love of Jesus. If you like the Gravity Leadership podcast and the conversations taking place here, I think you'll love going deeper in a Gravity Leadership cohort. To find out more about Gravity Leadership Academy, visit gravityleadership.com slash academy. I'm, I'm wondering, you referenced some things that you were embarrassed about, or some things that you didn't think you could fully own, and share with others because it would be rejected or it was not good enough or it's embarrassing. Um, what To whatever degree you want to share, I'd love to hear more yeah. about that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think um, the number one thing that comes in when you say that is that I was embarrassed that I wanted to be a pastor and a preacher. Mm-hmm. I just was. Um, at a very young age, I would line up my little stuffed animals when I was like four and five years old and I would preach to them and teach them. And um, I remember telling my mom at like age eight, and she went, What do you want to be? And I was like, Well, I either want to be like an astronaut or I want to be a pastor, yes. you know, and she just kind of laughed and she she didn't laugh because she was mean. It was, she had no imagination for women being pastors at that time. Yeah, um, I, We were in a denomination that ordained women, but we had no women on staff at the church that I was at. Mm. So I didn't even see that. It wasn't modeled to me. Um, and so... I think when I went to college, I thought, well, you know what? I'll just be a missionary because I thought that was safe for women to be, to, to be in ministry. And so I went and my, it's a longer story, but the gist of it is I got very sick and only half my liver functions. Right. And I remember a mentor of mine saying, you can't go over to a third world country that doesn't have modern medicine. Like you need to be, allow God to work in and through you here. Um, and so I decided to go on to grad school and become a Bible teacher because I thought, well, okay, I guess Bible teaching, like middle school and high school kids was somehow okay. Because again, there was like embarrassment that I I wanted to be a pastor and I wanted to preach and, um, and questions about what I believed about, if that was even okay. I just didn't even know at that time. Um, and so my journey has just been um, knowing who I am. That is part of me. Um, if I didn't have a job at a church, I believe a lot of what I do during the day would stay the same, um, maybe different people, but it's just in me. And um, and same with preaching. I can't help it. I just want to talk about God and Jesus and how he changes lives. He's a He's a life changer. Mm-hmm. And he did that for me. And I want my friends to know that. So that would be one example.
1: Love it. Awesome. All right. Fully you. Um, you know, it's interesting. As I think about this, Christy, I, as a young preacher, um, I did not grow up with stuffed animals who I was preaching to. I did grow up being going to be an astronaut. I think that has something to do with growing up in the eighties and like being complete in rapture with the space shuttle and all that. Um, but I, I remember listening when I became a Christian I had no idea what I was doing. And I just started listening to Christian radio and it was like Chuck Swindoll and, uh, and a couple other like old, like older guys that were preaching. And I remember trying to imitate them and it was awful. Like I was like, this isn't me and I can't do this and I stink. And, uh, but then I remember this is now, this is 25 years ago. I remember, um, downloading a Rob Bell sermon and no one was, no one was preaching like Rob Bell at the time, at least in my world. And I was like, oh, you can preach like this too? And that changed everything for me. And so it's interesting. Sometimes we need permission to not imitate people we're not. Sometimes we need people who are like us to give us permission to be ourselves.
0: That's well said.
1: Yes. And I uh, I think that happened to me. And I think that does correlate with this thing you've learned. Okay, number. Okay, we have learning to be beloved. Uh, walking with Kairos, being fully you or fully me. not you're not being fully me, but you're being fully you me, you know what I'm saying. Uh, right. number four, parents are it. Yeah what, what is that and how and and, <laughs> and how did you learn
0: that? Yeah, I believe that parents are the primary spiritual influencers of their kids and whether you grew up with with parents who followed Jesus or not they still are the primary spiritual influencers of you um sometimes we love that and sometimes we hate that and mm-hmm. so because of that in my in ministry um i've i I believe that but now i want to empower and equip parents to be that to their kids to be the the primary spiritual hero to their kid. And so what does that look like? It looks like as a pastor of kids, I'm creating resources for parents to take home and to do with their kids at home where it's not that they look to me to be the primary spiritual hero. It's they are that and what does it look like for me to equip them to be that. So yeah. Um and and in practical is I mean I recently was <laughs> teaching our kids and I was talking about Jesus on the cross and um and this little girl like interrupted me and she was like, Miss Christy, I want to ask Jesus to be my life. And I was like, that's awesome, Libby. Like, that's great. And she's like, I want to do that right now. And I was like in the middle. I mean, there's like, you know, 80 kids in the room and I'm like, well, can we wait to the very end? And she's like, no, I want it right now. And I, for me, I, um, you know, when a kid kind of gets to a place where their journey, their, their faith journey, maybe takes a shift and and they want to say yes to Jesus. I want their parents to be there. Mm -hmm. And so, um, we divided all the kids up into their small groups and I took Libby upstairs and I found her mom. I pulled her out of the service and I was like, she wants to say yes to Jesus. And I want you to be here. I want you to be the one to be leading this conversation because I might be in her life for five, 10, 15 years, but her mom Mm -hmm. is going to be in her life for forever. And I want her to have the blessing of that gift. And so, yeah, it just shows itself. I mean, it shows itself in my own life too with my own kids. I want to be very intentional um, as a parent, um, but you kind of see it in ministry and personally.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is huge. I think that was one of the things that I discovered when I was a youth pastor. Before we met Christy, I was a junior high youth pastor. And I realized, like, I get these kids for 90 minutes a week. And that touch is insufficient to to really be a, anything more than maybe like a, a trusted adult that they can talk to in times of need, and maybe they re- get some things from me. But the socialization and the relational component of what it means to follow Jesus, I felt completely inadequate to sort of make a dent in. And I think I think if you're naming that frustration I felt or that instinct I had that uh, I have a fraction of the influence that a parent does. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and I guess maybe I should say this too, is like if you are a parent and listening to this podcast to realize your role, that you are influencing your kids in the good and the hard, um, and they're watching and they're, t- you know, more is caught than taught type mentality. Um
2: Christy, how I wonder. Sometimes I, when when I hear that, I know it's true, uh, but then I can I can end up feeling a little bit overwhelmed and feeling like there's this pressure to perform really well. I need to be a super great spiritual example, um, but I know that's not what you mean. And so, uh, one of the um, one of the helpful things for me has been, you know, to realize that part of the example I set is what I do when I mess up, which I have tons of opportunities to do this, right? Because I mess up all the time with my kids. Um, and so part of setting the example is not like performing really well, but part of the example is just demonstrating the humility to apologize. And I know you've got, you know, stories and. Yeah. You know, I, I, it, but one talk, of, talk a bit about, you know, how, how to set an example for our kids in in our failure actually, right? Not just in our, like, I'm killing it today as a parent, but, oh gosh, I really screwed up as a parent. How do we continue to set an example through just our humility?
0: Yeah, um, one of the big moments, actually, probably all of my kids would point back to um, <laughs> to this, I mean, it's just funny, you know, they always embarrass me like at the wrong time do they bring this story up. But now I'm sharing it with the world, but that's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> we adopted two kids and they were in the foster care system before. And for those of you who are not familiar with foster care, when, when they're in foster care, you have to do visitation with the biological parents, sometimes multiple times a week. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately for our kids, um, their biological mom often wouldn't show up for the visitations. And that was hard for them emotionally. And, and just, it was hard for them, for their little four-year-old or two-year-old brains to understand, you know, where's my mom. And, um, And so there was one time where, um, Paul was actually out of the country. He was like in another country. I was solo parenting, um, the five kids. I was on week two of solo parenting. Paul was in India and, uh, I took the kids to their visitation and mom didn't show up and we sat in the parking lot and I, you know, I was like, I'm so sorry. We came home. I read a book to the kids. I was like, Okay, it's time for me to do dinner. I want you to go downstairs and I want you to, to play all together. Um, I'm cooking dinner, and all of a sudden I hear my oldest be like, "Mom, come here!" And I go downstairs, and one of my foster kids, who's now my daughter, had sat down on the couch and had purposefully peed on the couch. But not only had peed on the couch that time, she went to the next cushion, sat down on the second cushion and peed a second time and then a third time on a third cushion. And I was like, are you flipping kidding me? Like, I just had had it. I was like so tired and I was like, what did you do? And like, we're not yellers in our house. Uh, I know some some families operate that. That's just not how we do it. Normally when I get mad, I actually start to whisper. It's like a intense, like whatever, but whatever happened to me, I was like, (laughs) right. What did you do? No. Um, so I, but I blew, I mean, I blew up and I was like, get upstairs right now. And, um, and I just started yelling at her. I mean, just yelling at her. And, um, and of course all four other kids are at the bottom of the stairs. They all start bawling because they've never seen me kind of just oh, wow. really lose it like that. And, um, and Brie went upstairs. She's sobbing at this time. And I just didn't, I didn't let up. I I just kept yelling at her as she walked up the stairs. I just blew it. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: And I sat on the stairs. I could hear everybody crying. I started crying. And I walked into Bree's room and I picked her up and I said, honey, I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. I was so angry that you purposely beat on the couch And I'm really sorry. And I'm guessing maybe you had a really hard day and your mama didn't show up and you don't feel like there's any control. I mean, she probably couldn't articulate that, but she couldn't control anything in her life. And she's like, I can control one thing, (laughs) you know, and, um, Mm. and we sat there and we cried together. And then I said, I said, I was sorry to you, Brie, but I want to pray with you. And I want to tell Jesus, I'm sorry too and um and then i came down the stairs and i gathered up the other four kids and cried with them and prayed and apologized to them too and um and it's a moment now where they're like remember the time mom lost it <laughs> um and she said she was sorry and i think hopefully they remember yeah i lost it i'm not perfect and but they realize that I live in grace and um, I'm learning and that hopefully opens their eyes that that's the kind of God we serve, that he welcomes us even in our mess and forgives us.
1: Well, that's beautiful. I also feel like now I have been, uh, the next time you ask me how I'm doing, instead of saying bad, I'm just going to say I pissed the couch because I feel like it's a pretty pregnant picture of what it looks like to have a thoroughly awful day.
0: Oh man. Yeah.
3: Bless
1: her heart. She's such a sweet girl.
0: She sure
3: is. You know, and and
1: I just want to say that parenthetically, I mean, I know we're here. We're talking a lot, but um, this is something that I didn't know before I had children, which is a lot of, a lot of the things my kids do that, I reflexively want to punish is them trying to deal with a very immature operating system, something Mm. that they can't handle. Yeah. And so like, whether it's peeing on the couch or, or being uh, disrespectful or, or not saying please or thank you or teasing their sibling, like this is basically them on tilt Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, man, the times I'm able to remember that are beautiful. And the other times I, I can't remember that. I just, I pissed the couch. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. That's number four. All right. Number five, eat more cake, eat more cake. <laughs> yes.
0: You guys, if you know me, you, you know, I love sugar, but actually what I mean by that is we need to remember and celebrate more. Um, in, and I really in ministry, I I worked with a a youth pastor and I, we were partners and he would say this all the time, eat more cake. And what he meant by that was every time we're getting together, we are remembering the goodness and what God has done in the past because, um, you know, in the old Testament, they talk about, you know, building up rocks and having piles of stones as remembrance places. And I think we need to do that. Um, within ministry, even within our families, of pointing back and saying, "I'm remembering and celebrating what God has done," um, because in the future, when things are hard and, and you're peeing on the couch, <laughs> you know we <laughs> we need to be able to look back and say, "I'm believing in the faithfulness of God for my future yeah. because of how I know He's been faithful in the past." So we need to eat more cake.
2: Eat more cake. So this is different from let them eat cake. <laughs> yes. Okay.
1: Yes. It's, it's almost the exact opposite, I think. Yes. Right?
2: Yes. It's like, <laughs> let them eat cake is, you know, it's one thing. But then this is like, let us all, let let us, let let all cake. eat cake.
1: Yes. yes. More ke- yeah. more cake. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Por- Christy, what? Cake.
2: Uh, what? So you, you mentioned like, you know, piles of rocks, you know, stones of remembrance, you know, these kinds of things. What, um, you know, besides cake? What do you what do you do to remember? Like, do you have like objects, or you know, yeah. is, this, is this just like you throw some parties, or are there ways that you have that are embodied uh, or visual that that help you remember the goodness of God and to celebrate?
0: Yeah, I'm a super visual person. And so I think I've mentioned on on the podcast, like I pick a word every year and then even for my word every year, I have some piece of jewelry that I wear that has that word on it. So this year my word is dwell and I have a bracelet that says the word dwell on it so that I see it all the time. But that is true of my house. Like if you were to walk in my house, on my bookshelves, on the walls, there's different pictures. Many of them have to do with um, something I learned either an encouragement or a conviction or a life shift that happened, um, that I look back and say, man, God was in that and working in and through that. And those visuals helped me and helped me also remind my kids of those things too. Um, and so some of them are as simple as, you know, when I, um, I had a miscarriage and you know, the and sign, I don't know what you call that, but like when you write like Amp- Paul. ampersand, and- is it an ampersand? Yes. yes. I have one of like a galvanized one of those and it's on my bookshelf. And it's hmm. to represent that child that we lost because it's this house and someone who's not here. Um, but hmm. it, it's also this picture to me of God carrying me through that. It was so hard and painful and emotional and, um, So, you know, sometimes it's hard things like that, but sometimes it's as beautiful as just like a picture of our family at a moment where like, you know, our adoption and I go, man, we just brought two more kids into this clan and God has been so faithful in this process. And um, so we have this picture up that reminds us of that.
1: Mm, That's great. That's beautiful. Chrissy, you, you have been one of the primary instruments through which God has gifted me an appreciation for celebration. Mm. Um, There are so many people I'm, I'm very cynical. Ben, Ben can confirm, confirm all this. I tend to be like a cynical kind of like half glass empty. If we expect the worst, we won't be disappointed. Um, Let's, let's prepare for all the worst things. So when something good happens, um, you know, we're even more excited and the, your energy that you carry to celebrate stuff. Very frankly, this is, I'm going to be Frank. It often annoys me, not your energy, but like the, the, sunshines and rainbows, you know, energy really bothers me, but I need it desperately. And, and your, your, you have a contagious way of carrying that so much. So that, um, I think it's, I don't know. I think my life suffers because I don't eat enough cake. Mm.
0: Mm. Thank you.
1: Yep, Ben. We we have a little party tonight. We're having with our with our church leaders. We should eat some cake tonight. Uh,
2: we there we have go. we have a cake. I'm picking it up from the bakery. We're doing a king cake since uh, come on right after, right after Epiphany. Well, when we're recording, yeah. this. um. So yeah, somebody'll somebody'll find a little baby in there, and then they're going to be crowned the king or the queen for the evening, and they're going to have to wear a crown. I don't know if it's a prize or you know yes. So anyway, we're not very I like that. we were. I, yeah, we were talking about this though. Like, we're neither one of us is very good at celebrating. No, good at uh, sort of coming up with how we can all celebrate together. So we feel a little crippled in our party planning, but uh, we're going to give it our best go, and uh, we're inviting people who are good at it. So
1: that's fun. yes, I
2: hope it'll be fun.
1: Yep, we'll do it tonight. All right, final one, bonus one, the cake celebrate. Number six, finally, soul care. So we've got beloved Kairos, fully me, fully you. Parents are it. Eat more cake and soul care. What is that about?
0: Yeah, I had to put it as a bonus because I was like, it's got to be in there. Um, You know, I just, we're complex people and we need to look at the whole of ourselves, meaning like not just spiritually, but physically and mentally and emotionally and relationally and vocationally. And um, and so I think if we don't do that, we will burn out in ministry. And so when mm. I say soul care, I don't mean self-care. I don't mean manicures and massages mm. while I would, those are great. Um, <laughs> but real soul care, um, meaning what is it? mean to really take off like to have vacation to rest hmm. right. to have intentional deep friendships with people yeah um to engage in hard counseling if you need it mm-hmm. um you know those types of things i think i think if i don't think it's actually just in ministry i think it's in life that yeah. we need to do that and that's part of um being able to have the abundant life being able to actually breathe and live and like um and not burn out and so i think it's important that we are intentional in that way
2: yeah yeah i i i think I, i'm glad you c- c- clarified some of that because i do think we get this idea like some some of if if you've ever watched parks and rec i think we get this treat yourself idea yeah. about what it means to like you know, do soul care or whatever, and it's just like this, this occasional sort of uh, self indulgence that interrupts our stress filled striving. You know, yeah. um, but you know that's not really what we're talking about here. We're talking about some some disciplines that um, I've been increasingly thinking about this in terms of b- disciplines that allow me to return to my work and my productivity, the things mm-hmm. that I create with a different posture where yes. I can actually engage not not in stress-filled striving but just in rest-filled partnering with G, with Jesus right so I'm I'm aware of how God is working in and with and through me um and I can engage in these sometimes very busy seasons in a spirit of rest in a spirit yes. of trust in a spirit of uh allowing you know God to you know in a spirit of celebration to get back to cake you know just to you know um anyway so I I I've been thinking about that. I, th- I think that's what I hear you naming is what are these disciplines that allow us to bring a different spirit into the other, you know, parts of our, sometimes that are stressful or busy or, you know, uh, filled with activity.
0: Yeah. I think rhythms are really a part of this. Um, you know, I'm in an Anglican church and i have really learned a lot, um, from the, the historical mothers and fathers and how they practice these spiritual rhythms of their life. Not legalism, please don't hear that, um, but really healthy, life-giving rhythms that I've found um, to to be helpful and for me to be able to be excited and to keep doing ministry and to think like, oh yeah, I've done 20 years of ministry. I can imagine doing 20 more because yeah. I think these, these rhythms are
2: in place. Mm, that's really good.
1: Yes. This is this is why we're friends, Christy, (laughs) because because I think you you are so uh, centered in um, some of the things I'm really bad at, Mm -hmm. and I I I'm drawn. One of the reasons I'm drawn to you in friendship is because you you teach me and lead me and model for me some places I need to grow. So. This has been great, Christy. Um, <clears throat> we're actually doing uh, Gravity Commons live today. We have some people listening in who are going to, we're going to end our uh, public podcast now by saying thank you, Christy. And we're going to spend some time with our Gravity Commons members to do some Q&A and hear from Sounds them good. about some of the things, they how they want to interact. So Christy, thanks. For Thank being you. with us today, I hope you come back on the podcast again sometime. Yeah, someday, someday. That'd be someday, someday that'd be great. Someday, someday that'd be great. If you can <consider> it into
2: <laughs> schedule. Thanks, friends. Yeah, thanks, Christy. Hey, Christy, um, that was that was lovely. We're, it we're, was. Uh, fun. We're just reflecting on the conversation we just had with you, where you shared your five slash six things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that you've learned. Extra. And so, yes. Can I just, um, uh, can I share something?
1: Internet's working. Yeah, you can share something. Yeah. I I think, Chrissy, in the last 48 hours of my life, um, we talk about Kairos all the time here. I've had Kairoses I've never had before in mm. situations of frustration and irritation that have happened to me for decades. Mm. And I was reminded from your five things of how kairos is like a zero entry like pool where if you're like a 6 month old you can sit and splash around and it's the time of your life and yeah. you can also just dive you can go out and dive as deep as you want and um, i i don't know i just feel like kairos more than ever in my life gives me access to myself to others and to god in a way that i'm eternally grateful for and I'm really glad you brought that to this podcast
0: I yeah. love that I I am so encouraged when I talk to friends whether it's you and Ben or you know friends here in Colorado and they share their kairoses like, mm-hmm. just to hear what, what, yeah. what is God doing in and through them and um, it, it encourages me and yeah. so
2: I yeah. love talking about it it's 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 automatically connecting it is. Yes. it is a sharing of desire it's a sharing of the, the inner person right our soul mm-hmm. comes comes online and and is communicated mm-hmm. and when that's communicated in an environment where it is received with with acceptance and with love I mean you can you can take over the world with that with that stuff yeah I mean in a good way it's, it's, yeah. it, it's powerful so yeah. yeah I'm glad you named that as well Christy and I'm um, I was just reflecting on how on-brand it is that you named Eat More Cake. And on-brand for Christy Penley is, oh, you want five things that I've learned in ministry? Here's six. She's going to overdo it a little bit. She's going to overachieve.
0: Well, thank you guys for for asking me to do it. It was really fun. It was really fun.
2: It is fun. Yeah, I'm excited for um, others in this series. Um, I think I'm coming up, actually. Yeah, we recorded one with me. Yeah, that's actually next week, and we'll record one with Gino, and we've got a bunch of them. Uh, and we've also uh, invited our listeners to share. Mm-hmm. The, um, I have actually put it out in our weekly email um, uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, just hey, what's what are five things that uh, that you've learned over your years? And um, one of our uh, listeners named Sue um, sent this list. You guys want to hear Sue's list? Yes. I do. How'd
1: you know? All
0: right. I love the name Sue. It's my mom's name. Oh, oh is it? So yeah. I have That's... like real great yeah. feelings about okay. Sue. Well, here,
2: here we go. <laughs> From Sue, number one: embrace the mystery of God, His love, Jesus, and the Spirit. Two: wonder without judgment about the decisions and beliefs of others. I love that. Mm. Yeah. Three: look more deeply, ask questions as I read Scripture and experience church. Four remember that I am the beloved of God. Very similar to yeah. yours, Christina. Yeah. yeah, amen to and that. number five, mm-hmm. fewer answers and more curiosity about spiritual yeah. things. Hmm. Yeah, That's lovely.
0: Yeah.
1: Love oh, that's that beautiful. Too.
2: Thanks, Sue. I yeah. know, yeah, thanks, Sue. Yeah, thank you for sharing that with us, Sue. It's wonderful. <laughs> we, also, we also got uh, an email from, oh, yeah, from yeah, Waylon, right? About, yeah, huh? Yeah. Do you want to read that? Our here? email um, from Waylon. Yeah, sure, this, I'll read this one. So, one. So, um, he did. Just, what, this is more of like things. a pro tip. Here's one. Yeah, yeah. So it's like the
0: opposite of what uh, I
2: do. Here's six. <laughs> Here's six. <laughs> Waylon just rounds down.
0: Sorry, he, Waylon. Thanks and, for giving one. Yeah,
2: and you know Sue's list and your list, Christy, Just you know, lovely, lovely um, thoughts. Waylon's. Um, th- he's joking around with us a little bit here, but uh, oh. he narrows it down to one, and it's kind of more of a pro tip for ministry. And so uh, he said he's been reply. He's been meaning to reply to this email for a while, um, but. You know, things I've learned in ministry. This is one of my best hacks. So he he calls it a hack. So this is like (laughs) a ministry hack. Here it is. Always keep a case of canned beans stashed in the church kitchen. (laughs) That, That way, this is the best part, is there's a sentence that explains it. That way, you've always got a not nutritious lunch in a pinch, and they'll always be there because most people don't just eat a can of beans they found, like they might a bag of chips or a yogurt cup or something.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness, that's awesome.
2: Yeah, th- thanks, Waylon. Uh, that's deeply meaningful.
1: Waylon's coming for Waylon, host of this podcast to like- with that kind of wit.
0: <laughs> Listen, Waylon, you yeah. need to come to Costco with me, because I will mm. buy you some better snacks, because... Well, yeah. See, part of
2: part of it is it's strategically not a good snack, I know. so nobody else I know eats what he's it. Saying, yeah. yeah. Which I mean, it's there's sort of a sadness uh, inherent I know. in that, right? That's why. Yeah. yeah he's just afraid, afraid people are going to take his good snacks, so he's like, "Fine, I'll just have bad snacks." <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I'm like, come and
2: catch up. I'll club, buy you some
1: good snacks. <laughs> yeah. I promise. Anyway. <laughs> and you
2: don't have to keep them in the church kitchen. I
1: love, how, <laughs> I love how I love how Waylon's looking for a win, even if he has to suffer for it. You know, right, it's right, like no, right. no one's At stealing. least nobody took my beans. Having the, the worst day of hand, my life and the beans. worst lunch of my life, <laughs> <laughs> but at least it's my worst lunch. Oh uh, yes. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, nobody that's can it. tell me what to eat. Bad. Thanks for sending. Out, you can continue to send these in. We'll read them. If you have more pro yeah. tips for ministry, uh, I think yeah. we could probably come up with some hacks and pro tips as well.
0: I know hacks. that would be funny. That would, would
1: be, be actually funny. a really funny series. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That, so. Yep. All right. Um, Hey, Christy, did you hear about uh, the mansplainer who went for a walk and fell down a hole in the ground filled with water? No. Well, it was a well, actually.
0: (laughs) You need to stop.
2: Can I, can That's I give all the you a... encouragement. That's actually encouraging
1: Matt to keep going. Can I, I you know. Okay, <laughs> can, I give you a, uh, can I give you a two for today?
0: Oh, my goodness. Um, okay. This one's for Ben,
1: though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually have. Okay. Ben, uh, <clears throat> I've been noticing that mansplainers don't look terrible in jeans, but they also don't look fantastic. You might say this is because they just have okay butts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh,
3: my
2: goodness.
3: Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I, was, I was trying to find
2: a way to mansplain that joke to you, Matt, but as a recovering mansplainer,
0: oh, my I decided to hold my tongue. Our listeners are going to be like, oh, it's the outro, click, we're done.
2: But I laugh
0: like almost like really hard. That's that's funny. I wasn't prepared for that. How funny that would be. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Well, friends, on that note.
1: We'll see you next time, everybody.
0: We'll see you next time.
1: Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. If you're finding it helpful or enjoyable, we'd love it if you'd tell your friends about it.
2: Ratings and reviews online also help others find the podcast. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And you can join our Gravity community online for free at gravityleadership.com slash join.
0: You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as our email most Fridays with curated links to articles we find interesting and helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join.
1: Our podcast is produced by Ben Sternke and Matt Tebby. Aaron Sternke edits and mixes the show. You can check out his work at aaronsternke.com.
2: We'd love to hear from you. To record a question or comment for us, go to gravityleadership.com slash message and click the start recording button.
0: You can also email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time.